Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, the Salvation Army is busy getting ready for the holiday season. Volunteer bell ringers are needed for their red kettle campaign, and the angel trees are going up. We'll get more details. Plus, the president's so-called Build Back Better plan includes a provision aimed at making insulin more affordable for diabetics. But regardless of that bill's fate, there are programs right now working on that same goal. And all indications are that holiday travel is back in a big way for the 2021 season, with even international flight restrictions now being eased this week. But there are still challenges that can cause headaches and cost money for those who don't plan carefully. We have some advice. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Tuesday, November 9th, 2021. So how did you how did you do yesterday? Um, were you, did everything go okay for you yesterday? It was kind of interesting. My wife came home from work and, uh, asked her, you know, how, how did your Monday go? Especially first Monday after the time change, right? So you figure everything's going to be a little discombobulated. She said she had a good day. I had a pretty good day yesterday. Did you have an, an okay day yesterday? Was it all right? Now that the clocks have gone back, you may want to pay attention to how you are feeling, Seasonal uh, seasonal affective disorder or SAD, which affects up to 5% of Americans, uh, up to 10% of those that live in northern or let's try that again. It says uh, 5% of Americans overall suffer from SAD and 10% of those that live in the northern half of the United States, as we do. And usually it kicks in right about the time of the time change. When it starts getting darker even earlier in the day, that can contribute to seasonal affective disorder because we don't get as much sunlight and it's just depressing. Dr. Itai Donovich, Cedar sinai Medical Center in Los Angeles, says it helps to remember that those shortened, colder days are only temporary. Those who suffer from seasonal depression should take an active role in managing their symptoms, but can also look forward to longer days as the seasons turn. Uh, symptoms of SAD include changes in mood, appetite, and energy levels, as well as loss of interest in activities, difficulty concentrating or making decisions, and self-critical thoughts. If you think you might suffer with SAD, you should get professional help. Uh, consider using treatments such as light therapy, vitamin supplements, exercise, and counseling. You know, the fact of the matter is, you know, it's yesterday. I was a bit depressed uh, when I looked out and it's like five o'clock is already dark. You know, it's that it's this time of year. Well, not five o'clock. I don't think it's quite dark at five o'clock, but by five thirty, five forty five, uh, it looks like midnight out there. And um, but here's the thing. We don't really lose an hour of sunlight. We have the same amount of sunlight as we did, which is less than it was during the summertime. Granted, but we have the same amount of sunlight. As what we had before the time change, we just have it earlier in the day. We have an hour's worth of it in the morning as opposed to the evening. We've just shifted the sunlight artificially by changing our clocks. We still have the same amount. So you want to beat seasonal affective disorder. One thing you can do is just get up a little bit earlier and uh, that'll help as well. By the way, one thing you don't want to do is just sit around and do nothing. Being sedentary has been linked to increased feelings of anxiety and depression. Researchers at Iowa State University have found people who spend a higher amount of time sitting are likely to have increased symptoms of depression. Jacob Meyer, a researcher on this project, said sitting is a sneaky behavior. It's something we do all the time without thinking about it. Still, this study cannot prove causation. It's possible that people who are more depressed already spent more time just sitting around so one doesn't lead to the other it could be the other way around still um uh it's, it's possible that people who it says it's possible we were more people who are more depressed sat more that people who sat more became more depressed don't know which one it is uh there might even be some other factor that researchers did not identify but overall they say Basically, the researchers are saying, why take a chance? Uh, you should uh, take breaks when sitting for long periods of time. Get up, move around, do something. 
and that'll help as well. So just a little friendly advice there. Um, you know, one of the things that people did during the course of the past year and a half during the pandemic to keep them from getting so depressed because there was nothing to do, to keep them from just sitting around and doing nothing and becoming all bummed out, a lot of people went on a shopping spree. And uh, we were buying things online, maybe because we were bored, didn't have anything better to do. We were looking for some way to pass the time. One in 10 people have expressed regret over buying items during the pandemic. I mean, big ticket items like hot tubs or DIY tools or something. How many people took on DIY projects during the pandemic? Well, I've got finally got time to do this project around the house. So you go out and you buy all of these tools and all of that, and you still have this project that hasn't been done sitting around the house. Uh, COVID lockdowns led to a surge of sales of some items that people could enjoy at home or in the garden or to keep up their fitness. That's another big thing. People bought a lot of fitness equipment. And now buyer's remorse has kicked in for some who admitted to typically spending over $1,000 on these pandemic items. Our pandemic shopping sprees cost us a thousand bucks on average. The biggest items on the request uh, regret list that people say they now regret buying during the pandemic. We mentioned hot tubs. That's right up there on the list. DIY tools, gaming equipment, home gyms, bicycles, clothing and jewelry, musical instruments, <laughs> Didn't you say, you know what? I'm going to take up the trumpet. (laughs) Buy a musical instrument. Yeah, that's a big uh, regret now. Kitchen appliances like bread makers, garden furniture, pizza ovens, uh, all appeared on the regret list. That should be, I'll tell you what, we're going to do this. I haven't posted this yet. Now that I'm thinking about it, I'm going to post this uh, on our Facebook page. So give me a couple of seconds to get this up here, and then you can go to our Facebook page. Tell us what your biggest uh, pandemic purchase regret is. Did you buy a hot tub? Did you buy uh, you know, exercise equipment, a, a home gym, or some big fancy kitchen appliance or something like that that you now regret and say, I really shouldn't have bought that? <laughs> Be interested to find out uh, what people's biggest regrets are. Uh, in terms of the things they bought during the pandemic. Yeah, we'll get that up here in, uh, in just a second and uh, make that our question of the day. This is an interesting story. I had no idea that this was a thing, but it's something that people would be buzzing about. And we like to start the program with the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. And uh, this is certainly a story that people are buzzing about. What has happened to Gavin Newsom? Apparently, the governor of California has not appeared publicly since abruptly canceling a trip to Scotland for the U.N. Climate Change Conference back on October 29th. At the time, his office uh, explained that family obligations were why he canceled the trip, but they did not offer any specifics. However, since then, there has not been a single press conference There have been no public appearances, and that's very unusual for Gavin Newsom. I mean, usually you cannot tear him away from a microphone or a camera. I mean, wherever there's there's a microphone or a camera, he's there. And since October 29th, nada. Uh, It has been radio silence all the way around. Now, you remember he just recently fended off a recall election, and and he's been laying low. for. uh, Now, Gavin Newsom's wife... Uh, posted a tweet Sunday night about all of the speculation of what happens uh, about what happened, what has happened to the governor. Uh, She said, uh, when someone cancels something, maybe they're just in the office working, maybe in their free time, they're at home with their family at their kids, sports matches or dining out with their wife. Please stop hating and get a life. That tweet has now been deleted, has since been deleted. But uh, she was apparently fed up with all of the speculation. So, Maybe there is nothing to it, but uh, and there are a couple of state senators who are in Scotland for the climate conference who played down the matter 
when asked about it yesterday, uh, saying that the controversy was overblown. And uh, one of those state senators said, hey, he said it was a family issue. We're all human beings. It's not really appropriate to dig further into it. So who knows? Maybe there's nothing to this. And uh, Gavin Newsom's press secretary said in a statement yesterday that the governor will resume normal appearances this week. We'll see what we shall see. And like I said, not like it uh, affects us at all, but people will be buzzing about this. I didn't even realize it was a thing. Kind of interesting. And uh, one final note here, a uh, story you remember a couple of days ago, I think it might have been Friday on the program, perhaps. Uh, we, we kind of waded into this whole battle of the sexes thing. We were talking about how it's not true, the uh, common misperception that women are more more emotional than men. You know, we have that, uh, that thing. It's one of those sexist views. Women are more emotional than men because of hormonal changes and all of that. And it's not really true. Well, how about this? It turns out the uh, stereotypes in movies and TV shows about women becoming more emotional after a breakup. Not true either. Lancaster University uh, analyzed relationships looking at the most common issues the couples experienced. They found it was actually men who suffered the most when a relationship either ended or took a turn for the worse. Men get the worst of it. Most common causes the couples faced were communication and trust related. And they also found that men were more likely to discuss heartbreak than women were. Men more likely to discuss heartbreak than women were. Suggesting that the stereotype of men being less emotionally invested in a relationship may be incorrect. That men were more likely to seek professional help than women. Mm, to deal with their relationships. That's very interesting. Researchers hope their findings will help destigmatize people seeking help with their relationship issues. So, it was kind of interesting. They're just blowing up stereotypes all over the place. thought that was an interesting story on the Newswire that I saw today related to something we were talking about a few days ago. There you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Tuesday morning started. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. The WTOL 11 first alert forecast, partly to mostly sunny today with a high of 62, partly cloudy tonight, a low of 44. Hancock Public Health will be holding a pediatric COVID-19 vaccine clinic for children 5 to 11 years old. The clinic will be held on Wednesday, November 17th from 3 to 6 at Hancock Public Health, located at 2225 Keith Parkway in Findlay. Appointments are required. Also, Hancock Public Health will be holding a COVID vaccine clinic today at the Old Millstream Center at the Hancock County Fairgrounds from 3 to 6. Get more information on both clinics on our website. It's National Adoption Month, and Ohio has a new program to help families during one of the most important and expensive times in their lives. Treasurer Robert Sprague of Findlay says the Family Forward program gives eligible families an interest rate reduction on the loan they take out to cover expenses. The treasurer's office works with the banks behind the scenes, and we take care of that and make sure they give that interest rate reduction to the family. He says far too often the rising costs of adoption deter hardworking Ohioans from growing their families. Get more on the program on our website. The state of Ohio has agreed to pay $17.5 million to settle a lawsuit brought by an inmate who was paralyzed during a takedown by prison guards. Former prisoner Seth Fletcher was serving a two-year sentence at Chillicothe Correctional Institution in Southern Ohio in April 2020 when his attorney says he was tackled, handcuffed, and dropped by guards. The 21-year-old Fletcher was left paralyzed from the chest down with a spinal cord injury. A settlement in Fletcher's federal civil rights lawsuit against the prison's agency was announced last week. Daniel Barnett, ONN News. Great Scott recently hosted local mental health organizations for the first ever Nourish Your Mind Day event at several locations. Family Resource Center was on site at both Finley Great Scott locations and says some great discussions were had with customers about the importance of self-care. As the event was wrapping up, Family Resource Center was surprised with a donation of $10,000 from Great Scott as an investment in the continued work Family Resource Center does to improve the mental wellness of people in the communities they serve. Get more on our website. And get more news online anytime at WFIN.com.
I know that some may argue that it is too early to start thinking about the holiday season. Certainly, the weather doesn't feel much like it yet. However, uh, the folks of the Salvation Army are busy gearing up for the holidays. Uh, gearing up their red kettle campaign, looking for volunteer bell ringers and all that. Plus, the angel trees are going up. Uh, Major Mike Morales and uh, uh, his wife Diana with us uh, from the Salvation Army uh, this morning uh, here locally. And you got to start early to start thinking about, you know, organize and, and get all of this stuff uh, together. It's not something you just throw together at the last second. So uh, off and running now, uh, starting to uh, look toward the holidays. The red kettle campaign, of course, uh, everybody knows been around for as long as anyone can remember. It is really the main fundraiser for you isn't it yes it is it is um yes it has been a while uh around a while and um most of the money does go for those christmas um gifts and or food Mm -hmm. and then what's left over is what is um used the rest of the year yeah uh, with assistance with food and um emergency right um, um, and you've got some uh, new ways of uh, fundraising with the Red Kettle campaign. I mean, you still will have the traditional Red Kettles and the bell ringers and all of that, which for many people, it's not the holiday season unless the the ringing of the bells there in the outside of the stores. Um, but obviously, as time change, you change with the times and you have new ways of, uh, of uh, encouraging people to contribute. Yes, Uh it started a, a little while ago, but it really ramped up during the COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, we have what we're calling our virtual kettle, and it's just a way that you can go online. Um, you'll see as soon as you hit the site um, that you can donate right there, or if you scroll down a little bit, you, it has uh, different denominational uh, donations that you can click on, mm-hmm. as well as if you scroll all the way down, you can actually volunteer Right on the site, you can pick your story you want, the time frame that you want, uh, to actually man one of the live kettles. Yeah. How, how many volunteers does that take uh, to, to man the Red Kettle campaign? Well, we get groups that can come in, and they take a whole day. They split it all up, uh, whether they stand for an hour or if they, the members of the group want to stand for two, three hours. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do, when the Red Kettle... Uh, season is in full gear. We have eight stores that that we have. Okay. So if you th- think about that. Yeah, you do the the math on that. It requires yeah. quite a few volunteers uh, being out there uh, every day through the entire season. Yeah, and we, you start uh, generally when? Is it like the day after Thanksgiving or uh, is it no, even before? start a couple weeks before. Actually, okay. actually we start on Friday. This, this Friday. This, this Friday. Friday. Well, and I was we going to say, because especially this year, we keep hearing people are shopping earlier than ever. Yes. I know a lot of folks have already started their Christmas shopping. And uh, so, you know, let yeah, the season wanna, begin, I guess. We want to thank Hobby Lobby for letting us start that early. Okay. Um, that's the only store that we're going to be standing at this, this first week of it. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, Walmart is letting us stand. Usually we start there on Black Friday, but they're letting us start a week early as well. So, okay. Um, on the 20th, we get to stand at Walmart. And Terrific. For the rest of the season. So, and then we're off and running. Also, as we mentioned, the other big program that the Salvation Army does during the Christmas season are the angel trees that folks are uh, familiar with. And uh, those are, are going up, or are they already up? Um, well, we've already been taking applications from the needy needy families. So okay. um, actually Friday, we take our first tree to the mall, to the Giving Garden, I guess that's what they call it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then um, the following week, on the 15th on Monday, we take them to Walmart. So. Okay, so those are going to be uh, up and and. Uh, every year uh, there are you know a lot of uh, a lot of kids mm-hmm. that that need a lot of families that need that uh, that extra help oh, yeah. uh, during the holiday season, and so there are. Uh, plenty of angels uh, oh, yeah. to be plucked from the trees. Yes, we already have um, like 350 children. Signed. Wow! All right. <laughs> you know, one of the things, I, and just as a, I've, my wife and I have done this uh, every year for the past uh, several years. You you take the angel uh, off the tree. You buy the uh, the gifts. And you get the uh, gifts over to the Salvation Army mm-hmm. to see. That whole room <laughs> yes. with all of those gifts that then have to be organized. Again, a huge undertaking. Oh, yes, it is. We have lots of people that help, praise the Lord. Um, anybody who wants to volunteer is willing to just call it and we can set that up too. It is a labor of love, to it be is. sure. Oh, yes. 
So what is the process uh, to volunteer for either of those uh, activities? You mentioned the uh, uh, the bell ringers uh, need volunteers, and you can do that online. Yes. Um, just go online to S-A-L-A-R-M-Y, that's salarmy.us, slash Philly Red Kettle. Okay. That's, that's all it is. Um, and as I said, if you want to volunteer, all you have to do is just scroll all the way down to the bottom of the page, and you'll see this big button that says volunteer. And okay. you click on that, and then you can see the different stores and different times at each store. And then that's that's great too. You can yes. really, uh, if there's a particular store, a particular time that works for you, uh, try and make it as easy as possible. And then for the uh, Angel uh, Tree program to organize just, and get yeah. all of those things out, mm-hmm. they uh, just have to call. Just okay. call and we'll we'll sign them up. And um, we have some groups that like to come in as groups to help. Because what we do is after the angels start coming in, we line everything up by number, and then we have to put all the kids' families in one bag yeah. <laughs> together. So like if we have some families that have like 10 kids. So it's like getting all those together yeah. to give the family the that whole. That is quite the organizational yes. process, so uh, I would imagine. So come and help do that. So, uh, and, and again, uh, folks can uh, volunteer as oh, yeah. they have time because oh, yeah. I'm sure that that's uh, more than a one single oh, yeah. day process. Um, <laughs> At least a week. These are the probably the most visible programs of the Salvation Army but not the only things you do throughout the year. So I think it's important to to mention that you are out there year round. Oh, yes, definitely year round. Um, our, the main uh, the main focus that we are is um, for food security, whether it's our food pantry that we run every weekday. Um, that can be accessed um, 9 to 12, 1 to 4, uh, Monday through Thursday, or just 9 to 12 on Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last full week of each month, we have <laughs> currently it's just our um, grab and go. Yeah, grab and go lunches where we, we right. make up some bag lunches mm-hmm. or box lunches and they just pull up to our gym door and we just hand them out. Yeah. Um, we're hoping in the new year to go back to doing the uh, hot lunch with friends program, which they can actually come in and, and mm-hmm. get a, a nice. Party right. meal, yeah, but it all depends on and where know, we are with COVID. <laughs> and, I, and I know in the summertime, uh, you do the same thing with the kids, uh, with the makeup for the school lunch programs while the kids are out of school and so on. Again, similar type deal. Um, actually, we run, we've been running a day camp for kids mm. in the summertime, and yeah. we actually take them to the schools for lunch. So we don't actually provide those meals; we oh, just okay. go there. All right. Um, that way, it helps save some of the costs. So that way we don't have to charge the kids to come to our program. Yeah, and take them to a lot of field trips and stuff. Yeah. So, uh, again, the, the Salvation Army is, is there year-round. Mm-hmm. And to circle back to the Red Kettle campaign, mm-hmm. one of the big fundraisers that helps you do yeah. all of that year-round programming. Yeah. So one of the reasons why this is uh, so very important. So look for the angel trees. They'll be at the mall. They'll be at Walmart as well? Uh, yes. Okay. Walmart on the 15th and the mall on Friday. Okay. So uh, look for those. And uh, we want to help uh, all of the kids uh, uh, get a good Christmas. And the uh, Red Kettle campaign begins this week as well. Yes, and I also want to say if you're a, a company or a business, you can also uh, request some angel tags for your company. Okay. And your company can, you know, fill those as well as uh, part of the program we have is adopt a family. So you can adopt one family, especially these 10 people. Yeah, the ones that are large too. Yeah. And again, just a call to the Salvation mm-hmm. Army. We'll get yep. that done. Yep. Okay, very good. Uh, we've got the link up on our webpage for more information on all of that for the Salvation Army of uh, Findlay. And uh, again, Major uh, Mike and Diana Morales with us uh, this morning uh, from the Salvation Army. Certainly happy holidays. Thanks for dropping by. We appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Some 34 million people in the U.S. have diabetes, and about 7.5 million of those rely on insulin to manage their condition. The cost, however, can be a significant burden for many. Now, a few days ago, it was announced that there was a provision in the president's Build Back Better plan to limit the cost of insulin, but that bill... Uh, obviously remains very much on shaky ground and it's uncertain what provisions will survive even if it does pass Congress. So in the meantime, however, there is already a program that can provide help for diabetics. Andy Vicari is the senior director and U.S. brand leader for the Insulins portfolio at Lilly. And Andy, you actually have a couple of different ways to help make the cost of insulin more affordable, right? 
Absolutely, Chris. And uh, it's important. As you said, we can't wait for things to change in Washington. And we've been moving on this for quite some time. And there's really two main ways we can help individuals. So we have something called the Lilly Insulin Value Program. And for those that have no insurance or have some form of insurance through their employer, uh, they can get their Lilly Insulin for $35 or less per month. Now, by law, we can't allow seniors to participate in that, which made it so important in partnership with the federal government and the senior savings model. So for any seniors that are in a health plan that participates in the senior savings model, they too can get their insulin for $35 or less per month from Lilly. Now, with respect to that uh, senior savings model through Medicare uh, Part D, this is uh, actually, I guess, the second year of uh, participation uh, in that program. What uh, what was the outcome? Well, obviously it worked because you're back doing it again this year. Uh, but uh, w- was that uh, program what you expected uh, in the first year? Talk about the uh, results from the first year of that program. Absolutely. So we uh, really... Uh, have seen, a, I think, a, I think at the end of the day, the individual senior with uh, diabetes has benefited. So, for example, uh, our most commonly used insulin is Humalog. And we know that 7 out of 10 seniors that use Humalog pay $35 or less per month for it, which is wonderful. We want that number to be 100%, and it's why we do things like this to try to get the word out and help individuals get enrolled in the senior savings model. And they can do that through insulinaffordability.com, which really walks them through uh, the steps they would need to take during this open enrollment period, which ends in December December 7th. Uh, it'll help them get onto a plan that will cover their insulin and ensure that they can pay $35 or less for it. So very important to uh, highlight that for uh, those who are on Medicare, uh, again, because we are in the middle of the uh, open en- enrollment period, as we know. Now, you also mentioned the Lilly Insulin Value Program for uh, all of those others who are either uninsured or on uh, private uh, uh, insurance. Um, talk a little bit about the impact of, uh, of that program. Yeah, it's a wonderful program. We started it during the pandemic and have, uh, just said we have no intention of sunsetting this. It's just very important for those individuals who need it. And we see through uh, our Lilly Diabetes Solutions Center that, uh, about 20,000 people a month are accessing, uh, any of our suite of solutions. And we know that there's been over a hundred thousand prescriptions uh, that have used the Lilly Insulin Value Program. So we're delighted at the impact that it's had. We know that it's made that much more affordable for individuals to get their insulin and ensure that they're not paying more than $35 a month. Now, I can hear some folks uh, asking the question, so I'll pose it to you, and I know that the that the answer is rather complex, and, and I, I don't know how much detail we can get into uh, on this, but I can hear some people say, well, why not just lower the price across the board rather than uh, make people sign up for programs and, and so on to, uh, to lower the cost? Why not just drop the price? We actually have. Uh, we have uh, taken uh, some dramatic steps and, in fact, launched Insulin Lice Pro in 2019 that was half the cost of the similar insulin, Humalog. We further reduced that price and, in fact, have announced this year that January 1, we will reduce that price an additional 40%. So the net effect is it's actually 70% less. So that's important. You're right. Uh, it is a very complex healthcare system. Most people uh, don't pay uh, the full retail price because of their benefit design. But we know too many people uh, that are paying uh, more than $35 for their monthly prescription. One of the things we pay a lot of attention to, Chris, is what is that average out-of-pocket cost for anyone on any Lilly insulin, whether they're a senior, whether they're in private insurance, or whether they have no insurance at all. And today, that number is roughly $28.05, or a monthly prescription. So we spent a lot of time trying to bring that down, and we in fact have and will uh, cut the price January 1 on Insulin Lice Pro. So uh, we mentioned the uh, the programs for those in Medicare, the, the senior savings model. We mentioned the uh, Insulin Value Program. What steps do people need to take to enroll in those plans? 
there's really two ways that we can help, whether someone's a senior or someone is commercially insured or privately insured and or have no insurance. If they'd like to talk to an individual, they can go to an 800 number. It's 833-808-1234. And they're very well-trained individuals that can help them figure out and navigate to the best solution for them. And if they are a senior, they can uh, help them on how to enroll into the senior savings model. There's also translation available, so that should not be a barrier for anybody whose native tongue is not English, and we can help them get onto those solutions. If they would prefer, they can go to insulinaffordability.com and get access to uh, the checklist and how to get enrolled in uh, the appropriate plan in the senior savings model, or download and use immediately the Lilly Insulin Value Program that was one of the things that I, I was definitely going to highlight and kind of underscore, as you mentioned, when you go to, if you do it online, uh, you can get that uh, that card uh, immediately. There's no waiting period or there's no paperwork processing or anything like that. It's, uh, it's pretty much instantaneously. That's exactly right. And they can either print it and bring it into the pharmacy or if they're uh, comfortable, they can. There is a QR code that they could use immediately as they're standing at the counter, and it is very simple, Chris, for folks to sign up for that Lilly Instant Value Program. It's three questions. It asks them if they have insurance or not. It asks them if they are residents of the U.S. And then it asks them the last question: By law, we can't help those that are in have any form of government assistance. So it just asks them if they are on any form of government assistance as insurance. And as long as their answers are appropriate, they can use it immediately. Again, Andy Vicari is a senior director and a brand leader for the Insulins Portfolio, Eli Lilly and Company. And uh, mention again the uh, website where folks can get more information on this. That is insulinaffordability.com. Important help for the 7.5 million Americans who rely on insulin to manage their diabetes. We'll have the link up at our webpage as well. Andy, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. Important topic. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. Have a bear encounter in the broken news because this is very unusual bear behavior. Melanie Porter of British Columbia, Canada, uh, just stepped out onto her uh, front porch the other day to have a smoke. She just stepped out into the fresh air when she was approached by a wandering bear that uh, apparently this happened on Thursday. She said uh, once she realized there was a bear uh, (laughs) standing right Next to her, she decided to just be still, just sit still and not panic. And the bear wandered up to her, sniffed her and licked her hand. And then backed off and sauntered off into the woods. (laughs) Melanie said it was at that point she got up and ran inside the house. That would that's what I would do. Uh, British Columbia believed to be the home of one quarter of the entire population of black bears in Canada. But can you imagine a a black bear just uh, wandering up, sniffing and licking your hand and then wandering away? I guess the bear didn't like how she tasted, tasted. So nah, I don't want to eat that. It goes weird. Uh, Speaking of uh, odd and unusual things happening, this was in Nashville, uh, on Sunday, uh, it says here, the man accused of pulling out a gun during a local church service is now facing multiple charges, as you might expect. 26-year-old walked up to the altar on Sunday at Nashville Light Mission Pentecostal, Pentecostal Church and waved a gun at the congregation. <laughs> he was Nobody was hurt because he was tackled by the pastor. <laughs> Jumped in action, tackled the guy. Uh, he's uh, now being held more than a dozen counts, uh, felony aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. I'm I, I'm guessing one count for every member of the congregation who was there at the time. He is uh, being held on three hundred seventy five thousand dollar bond. Has court date uh, tomorrow. As a matter of fact, <laughs> that must have been quite a sight. The uh, pastor tackling the guy with a gun there. This is. Uh, this is very weird. Um, happened in the uh, Catskills 
uh, to, to, to last week, and I don't know exactly, don't know exactly what day uh, of this, but um, in upstate New York, this is like something out of the movies. A man burst into flames after being tasered by police. A seemingly intoxicated man, 29-year-old Jason Jones, walked into the Catskill Police Department and (laughs) walked into the police department and got into a confrontation with police, according to the report. Apparently, they are familiar with Mr. Jones due to previous encounters. So to de-escalate the situation, officers deployed a taser. And that's where things went terribly wrong. Because prior to being tased, Mr. Jones, apparently unbeknownst to police, had removed some of his clothes and doused himself in hand sanitizer. So when the taser hit him, (laughs) hand sanitizer is flammable. And the taser hit him, and suddenly he goes up in flames. He is now in the intensive care unit at Upstate University Hospital in Syracuse, the uh, chief of police, a former state police senior investigator, said, uh, I think police were afraid he was going to hurt himself, and that's what started it. There are still details that we're trying to develop. <laughs> exactly what happened. That's crazy. Actually went up in flames. Being tased. New York woman charged with felony assault after hitting a train conductor in the face with a pumpkin. After being told to get off the train because she did not have a ticket. (laughs) How dare they tell her to get off the train because she didn't have a ticket. 21-year-old Alexis Adams allegedly struck the conductor in the face with a pumpkin and punched the conductor several times. Now, I don't know whether she was carrying the pumpkin, whether she had brought the pumpkin on board or the pumpkin was already on board. Maybe as a leftover Halloween decoration or something. I don't know where the pumpkin came from. But the conductor received numerous stitches, according to Westchester County District Attorney Miriam Roca. Uh, Ms. Adams has been charged with two counts of assault in the second degree, which is a felony, felony assault with a pumpkin, and a warrant has been issued for her arrest. (laughs) Can you imagine trying to explain to your cellmate, what are you in for? Uh, Felony pumpkin assault. That's what I'm in for. Don't mess with me. And finally, in the broken news this morning, we got the holiday season coming up. How do you feel about Elf on the Shelf? You ask parents, that will generate a lot of strong reaction. The Elf on the Shelf. A judge in Georgia has issued an order banning the Christmas tradition from Cobb County, Georgia. Superior Court Judge Robert Leonard tweeted the text of an order banishing Elf on the Shelf because he said it posed a risk to the emotional health and well-being of the young children of Cobb County. (laughs) Inexplicably, (laughs) the order, uh, it says at the top, in regard to elves on shelves. Uh, Inexplicably, elves sometimes move and don't move overnight, and when these elves do not move, it leaves our children uh, in uh, tender years in states of extreme emotional distress. He said his order was a gift to tired parents. But he did point out that families that love their elves can feel free to uh, keep them. That they're not going to be found in contempt of court or anything like that. An actual order from the Cobb County Superior Court judge banning Elf on a Shelf. So there you go. Uh, That is uh, today's, whoops, uh, that is uh, today's broken news report. I hit the button there. There we go. Now it's official. That is today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Want to stay up to date with what's going on with your favorite high school team? Get real-time score updates throughout the high school sports season with the WFIN scoreboard. It's as simple as bookmarking the WFIN scoreboard page or add it to your mobile homepage for the area's real-time high school scoreboard. Make it easy to follow your team throughout the season from your your computer, smartphone, or tablet. Bookmark the WFIN scoreboard page presented by Owens Community College at WFIN.com. Every year, my wife and I uh, have this discussion, this debate uh, between the two of us. So when I saw this poll uh, pop up on the 
uh, Newswire. I thought this is uh, perfect. Your daily download this morning, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. Uh, this is the eternal question. How early is too early to deck the halls? Uh, the holiday season nearly upon us and in the coming weeks, uh, people begin dressing up their homes to spread the holiday cheer. Fox news commissioned a survey, uh, through YouGov. 3000 Americans were surveyed about their holiday decorating plans and their thoughts on holiday decorating in general. What they found is the most popular time to decorate for the holidays is the day after Thanksgiving. 24% in the polls said that they plan to decorate then, the day after Thanksgiving. Now, here's the problem with that. Indoors, okay, that's fine. But outside your home, the problem with that is it gets very cold. Uh, and, and like right now, uh, the past couple, three days have been really nice. My wife, has, has actually, she does the outdoor. She you know hangs all the lights and does all of the decorations outdoors uh, each year and uh, she's been doing that hanging the uh, the lights and and so on uh, around the house now we don't we've like i said we have this debate every year between my wife and i and we've come to an arena uh, an arrangement agreement uh, she can go ahead and hang all of the decorations hang all of the lights and everything but we don't turn them on until the day after thanksgiving but we hang them when it's still relatively mild and it's comfortable to be outdoors and doing all of that so uh, I thought it was kind of interesting that 24% uh, said that they plan to decorate the day after Thanksgiving because it's cold. 23% say that they plan to decorate after Thanksgiving, but before December 1st. So in that window there, the majority of Americans say that they are comfortable seeing festive decorations in their neighborhood throughout the month of November, which is kind of interesting. I, especially considering most people uh, say that they don't decorate until after Thanksgiving, but they're comfortable seeing those festive decorations throughout the month of November. 19% say that they are most open to seeing holiday decorations between mid-November and the day after Thanksgiving. Uh, that's when it's okay to see the uh, to see the lights and so on. Mid-November until the day after Thanksgiving. Any earlier than that is just too early. 43% of those in the survey say that they will decorate their yards or the exterior of their homes for the holidays. 43%. 72% say that they will decorate the interior of their homes. And I'm kind of assuming that when they were asked about decorating the home's interior, people were considering that to be something other than just the traditional Christmas tree. Uh, because otherwise 72% seems very low because <laughs> I looked at that and I was like, who are the 28% of people who don't decorate their home? Well, you know, we keep hearing that travel is going to be up this holiday season, much like everything else where there is a pent up demand from the pandemic holiday of 2020. And the story is, that with staffing issues and precautions and restrictions that are still in place, and of course rising fuel costs, the travel could still be quite a challenge in 2021. Laura Lindsay is global trends and destination expert for Skyscanner with us this morning. And Laura, anyone who has ever done it knows that planning a trip this time of year can be complicated even under the best of circumstances, and these are still not the best of circumstances. So what is the best advice you can offer for those who are willing to try it? Thanks for having me, Chris. It's a really, really important time for your listeners to be thinking about booking travel at such a popular time in some savvy ways. Um, so I'm here to just give you some simple tips that will make their lives a lot easier. Um, the number one thing for people to think about traveling during the holiday season is being flexible. Actually, what's really interesting is there's still lots of great deals to be had and stress beats stress-free travel isn't too far away. It's actually just a case of avoiding those really popular times. So the day before Thanksgiving and the weekend afterwards tend to be the most popular. Even on those days, you can get a good deal if you consider flying at different times of day or perhaps with a different airline. So it's super possible to be able to get a great deal, but it does require a bit of flexibility from your listeners. Um, 
And in order to do that, my advice would be hop onto skyscanner.com and use some of our um, options on the site. So, for example, you can select fly from a nearby airport, which gives you the option of flying from airports that wouldn't necessarily be your closest, but a short drive might give you a great saving. It also gives you the option to fly with multiple airlines. Um, and actually, you can fly on a return trip in and out with different airlines, which could be a huge saving. So thinking about some of those out-of-the-box tips could be a good way to get a great deal and still get away this holiday season. You know, a, a perfect example of that in our area, I know most of the, like, for example, when we fly, we normally fly out of Detroit. Uh, a lot of people will drive to Columbus, but we don't often think about, say, Cleveland or Cincinnati, which is about the same distance driving time, and uh, the prices can be dramatically different. So, again, just checking other nearby airports uh, can maybe, that's one of those, a perfect example of, a, of an easy hack to get maybe a great deal on the trip which as you said they are out there to be had that's absolutely right chris even this morning we were looking and you can fly from detroit to denver for less than 300 dollars, and that's you know just a few weeks before thanksgiving so there are still deals to be had but like you say thinking savvy and being flexible with your options will definitely make a huge difference to the price i am curious again because people are sort of traveling again after this uh, pent-up demand from last year's uh, non-existent holiday travel season. Um, maybe it's traveling f- specifically for the holidays, or maybe it's just uh, you know getting one more vacation in to use up that vacation time before the end of the year. What are some of the more popular destinations? Where are people flying to uh, these days? For the holiday season, it does tend to be about um, reuniting with friends and family and loved ones. And so, unsurprisingly, a lot of the destinations that we're seeing are domestic routes. So, New York, Orlando, Vegas, LA and Miami are the top booked destinations um, for Americans in the holiday season and December. But actually, looking further ahead, things start to change. So 2022 destinations that are popular, um, it's topped by Cancun, actually, which is really popular this year and continues to be into next year, as well as London, Paris, Madrid and Rome. So Americans really starting to think about getting back to Europe. Uh, that I was going to mention that because we just heard this week that uh, those uh, travel restrictions are beginning to be lifted. We're getting more of that international uh, travel uh, back into the mix. And now that that is opening up, what do people need to know about getting the best deals on international travel? Anything special there? Yeah, it's a really good question. And like you say, borders reopening for the first time in 600 days for international travel for a number of destinations is a huge thing for um, the world of travel. You know, we're really excited about it and we're seeing that pent up demand come through in our searches and bookings as people really start to get back into thinking about traveling the world in its entirety. Um, and in terms of getting a best deal, the things that you can do, that your listeners can do, are um, set up price alerts. So prices do fluctuate um, based on supply and demand. And so if there's somewhere in mind that you've been thinking about throughout this pandemic that you'd love to get back to, but you don't mind when you go, or you know when you want to go, but you don't mind when you book, you can set up a price alert and you can find out when prices drop for some of those firm favorites like London and Paris. Um, I'd also recommend keeping an eye on our COVID uh, travel map, which is on skyscanner.com and is a really simple to use resource, which will help you understand the travel restrictions that are in place and the destinations that you are going to. So um, it can just give you peace of mind to know what to expect when you get to a destination and also what you need to do in advance if there is any testing in place or documentation that you need to provide. But I can tell you from experience, international travel is really straightforward now. Um, And so just getting back out in the world will be a really enjoyable experience. Anything else that we need to make people aware of uh, as we come into this busy uh, holiday travel season that maybe we haven't mentioned or that are that you see that are common mistakes or, or things that people could do better if they only knew? Absolutely, Chris. I think it's a really good question. And my top tips would be have travel insurance. Um, it is important. There are um, quite often things that can um, crop up that you might not be expecting. And so um, just making sure that you've got that extra piece of cover and peace of mind will um, really stand you in good stead. I'd also recommend considering booking a flexible option with your ticket. 
just because if something does happen, you know, if you do need to quarantine, for example, if um, if you do fall ill or a family member falls ill, then you're able to move your trip to another time. So hopefully those things won't happen and everybody will have a stress-free holiday season, but it's always good to be prepared. And yes, even if it means spending a few extra bucks, again, I can say from personal experience, even if it means spending a few extra bucks, uh, you're paying for, if nothing else, peace of mind so you can relax knowing that if something happens, uh, you are covered or you have options. So uh, it is worth the money in that respect as well. Laura Lindsay, again, global trends and destination expert for Skyscanner with us this morning talking uh, travel during the holiday, upcoming holiday season and where do we get more information laura so skyscanner.com has a whole host of resources that can help you plan your trip um our covid map helps you understand the restrictions and measures in place for your destination of choice whether you're vaccinated or not there's also some great content regarding how to get a great deal for the holiday season and what to expect when you're traveling during covid i'd also recommend always looking at government guidance um, for the destination that you're traveling to. The CDC has a great set of information for American travelers, but also if you are traveling overseas, just check that your destination doesn't have any specific guidance in place. And that will put a wrap on today's podcast. Reminder that you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage, of course, and that is goodmornings.net. Log on and check us out. Coming up tomorrow on the show, does that tragedy at Houston's Astroworld Music Festival this past weekend sound disastrously similar to Cincinnati's Deadly Who concert of the late 70s? In an era of already heightened security measures, how can such a catastrophe still happen? We'll get an insider's look from an expert in venue safety and security. Until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.